Welcome to the Northwestern Masters of the Arts in Sports Administration Revenue Above Replacement Podcast. I'm Bryce Clinton. Today we have a great show and I have a conversation with Tanisha Wade. Tanisha is the Director of Events and Entertainment for the Chicago Bears. She has had a really interesting career in sports and that career started as an athlete at Oregon State University as a basketball player. From there, Tanisha has some really interesting roles in arena football, in college athletics, and now to her role with the Chicago Bears. Along with these interesting roles that she's had across different parts of the sports industry, us in the MSA program are really excited that Tanisha is going to start teaching with us in the summer. She'll lead a class around events and events management, and there's no better person to, to teach that class than Tanisha with that wealth of experience she has across different types of sports. So please enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Tanisha Wade. Welcome to the Northwestern Masters of the Arts and Sports Administration Revenue Above Replacement Podcast. I'm Bryce Clinton. It's really exciting today to be joined by Tanisha Wade. Tanisha is Director of Events and Entertainment at the Chicago Bears, and has had a really interesting path in, in the sports world. So we're, we're really excited to, to have her today. So thank you for, for joining us, Tanisha. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so I mentioned that really interesting path in the sports world. Can you give us a little bit of that background and, and how you sort of got to where you are today? Sure. Absolutely. So um, I always like to take it back to um, undergrad when I was in college, because that really um, is where I got my first taste of exploring the professional world of sports. And um, I was a college athlete, so I played women's basketball at Oregon State University. And um, while I was there, I majored in business with an emphasis in marketing. So I was very interested in those different roles in marketing. And uh, I was able to intern with the sports marketing department in the athletics um, department. And I ended up figuring out different ways to get involved with marketing, how we engage with students and get them to our games. I actually had an interesting project with a mascot. I had to recreate the mascot. So that to me was the most fun project and uh, interesting that that is part of what you do and, and manage in um, sports marketing and such a broad term. So being able to see these different areas and how they work together was was uh, an eye opener for me in college. Mm -hmm. and, and it was just that internship. So um, I was able to do that. And then I also had an internship outside of the athletics department in recreational sports. So it was interesting mm -hmm. to see from a campus standpoint, how they engage with students and how we market to them and get them involved in different recreational activities on campus. So I was able to have a project there where I was in charge of an overnight event um, for students and at the rec center where all these activities were and just uh, having a fun time with all the students and getting create all the activities that they got to do, the competitions that they got to do at the rec center. So that was a fun project. But still, again, exploring all these different avenues and ways to get involved in the sports world was, uh, that was my first taste at Oregon State University. It's crazy because as an undergrad, I, I majored in having a nice time um, <laughs> <laughs> to see. You to see all the things that you did. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's amazing though, as, as a college athlete, right? And mm -hmm. doing all those things from an athletics perspective and then being involved. It, can you talk a little bit about how being a student athlete, you know, you see those NCAA commercials that, especially it's about that time of year that we'll start seeing those commercials around yeah. all of us are going pro and something else, right? Mm -hmm. it, can you talk a little about how being an athlete sort of prepared you for 
what you did immediately following undergrad and sort of where even today? Yeah. So the easiest answer is you're surrounded by sports. You're surrounded by all of the um, administrators and people who can put these bugs in your ears and kind of give you advice. Um, the difference is I took advantage of that. Um, you know, I can be surrounded by so many resources and decide not to um, immerse myself in what they can offer. But I absolutely asked questions. I um, investigated with my counselors and professors and just like what opportunities are there? Um, how can I learn more? And quite frankly, take advantage of the, the position I'm in. And I was able to form relationships, which is another key thing that I think is important to do. Um, I was able to form relationships. And when things like this were available or for looking at my uh, graduation, um, kind of like the, the schedule for my graduation and things I still needed to do, they thought of me when it came time to fill these types of positions. So I was able to get my foot in the door in that sense. And it was really helpful. But it also opened my eyes to possibilities for after college. Um, I know at the time the WNBA was, I think it was in its infancy. It was definitely coming around, but had not fully started just yet. And so a lot of uh, women college athletes or in basketball specifically were uh, going overseas. I don't, I didn't know if I was interested in doing that. So I absolutely uh, put a lot more energy into a professional career after sports, after uh, Oregon State. And so you, did you grow up here in the Midwest and then went out to Oregon State and then yeah. came back here? Yes. So I grew up in Des Moines, Iowa, and I felt like I was close enough to Chicago to say, Chicago's my city. That's the city mm -hmm. I, I am choosing. They have all the professional sports and it's just an amazing city. It's close. Um, so I've always had a tie to Chicago in some way, shape or form. Um, and uh, I've also had a desire to be here and to... Mm -hmm. Uh, work in sports in Chicago for a long time before I started here. Um, and when I went to Oregon State, certainly way different than living in the Midwest. Yeah. Um, but I did have some professional opportunities out West and I still decided to come home. And I, the way I tell it to people is that I just clearly like to torture myself with the weather in the Midwest. <laughs> so, but I am terribly close to my family just just really close to my family and I thought okay if I'm if I'm not going the professional basketball route I'm going to go back home I'm going to settle in and I'm going to get my career started hopefully in Chicago and so I, I agree with you it is different out there something yeah. about the Pacific Northwest it's like mm -hmm. it's almost fresher in a way like you step off the plane it's fresher um but you're right Chicago is when you look at Chicago it, it's such a, a wonderful sports town and I think that yeah. You know, 2020 has given us a view of of how that how great that is because of of missing some of those things. You know, yeah. you came after undergrad though. You 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 went to and, and your career sort of evolved in football. How did it go from being you know a women's college basketball player and you know an athlete at its its highest level in that regard? Yeah. In basketball to football. Yeah. So I have always loved football. Um, you know, the, the initial thought is, okay, she's a basketball girl, but I've also been a basketball girl, like NBA, Michael Jordan, mo much like most people, I was a huge Michael Jordan fan. When I did come to visit Chicago, um, always in front of that statue at the United <laughs> Center, posters all over my wall. Um, but the football side of it was really came from um, my time with my dad. So 
we bonded over football. He was a huge Vikings fan. And I was like, clearly I have to find another team in <laughs> Chicago. <laughs> Chicago was, was the team I gravitated towards. And um, so I've always been a football fan. And when I played basketball, that was just kind of me surrounding myself in sports. And I actually started playing basketball late. I, I started playing in seventh grade and most kids, <laughs> I mean, I, the little tiny toddlers are out there playing these days. Mm. So um, I certainly started playing competitively a little late, but I've always loved sports. Um, football started for me though, professionally, when I went back home after college. And I, uh, being in Iowa, you only have a couple of choices, <laughs> especially in Des Moines. You have the Cubs AAA affiliate, and then you have um, the Iowa Barnstormers at the time, which uh, if you're familiar with arena football, that's uh, Kurt Warner fame. Mm-hmm. So um, definitely took advantage of the fact that I had a cousin that worked at the Iowa Barnstormers office and uh, just kind of visited, learned a little bit more about what they had to offer. And so Iowa Barnstormers arena football was my first um, internship after college, I, I did camps, I coached a little bit here and there, but um, continuing to explore opportunities in sports, that was the first one that I, that I um, found. It's interesting. I mean, what, you know, arena football, I've also always heard a stat around arena football, how it's the only sport that's patented. I don't know if that's actually true. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely, I knew was, it was patented, but I, I didn't know it was the first and, or first or only. I think it still is, right? Um, yeah. But it's a unique presentation of the sport. I mean, are there, were there, were there, and you parlayed that right from, from the Iowa Barnstormers into, you know, the Chicago rush and, and were there for some time What in arena football, what was, you know, one, what was the draw of arena football and two, you know, it may be some, a, a sport it's football, but there are a lot of nuances to it. Um, and it may yeah. be something some of our listeners aren't that familiar with. Yeah. What were sort of the unique things about arena football that, that one drew you to it and two you had to deal with on a day-to-day basis? So as an intern with the Barnstormers, I kind of dabbled in most everything. Um, so I could be doing merchandise inventory one day. I could be working with um, the marketing department, getting ready for a game day another time. So that was the cool part about the internship. But that's how I started to see the different opportunities and paths within sports. Um, in general, but with the Barnstormers and Arena Football um, and the differences, I would say, between that and professional sports and even college athletics and football is the up close and personal action. Like there's nothing like that experience um, that you can get when, you know, you have half, half the size of a traditional football field and the fans are literally pushed right up to the boards, the, the type of interactions you can create, the experiences you can create. Um, and it, it was more, it was for the players too. The players enjoyed it. They would jump into the stands, high five the fans. So from a experience and entertainment standpoint, it was, the possibilities were endless and it, it was definitely different in the game. Of course, itself, much different players are playing both ways, offense, defense. Um, so it was exciting to see and all those talents exhibited in such a fast paced game. And, and so at the, the, the Chicago rush, you were the director of operations and it seems there is where you sort of, you know, now with, with the bears, your job involves, you know, events and entertainment, mm-hmm. but it seems as with the rushes where you sort of got that first view of, of the game operations and the live entertainment aspect of it. I guess, yeah. you know, what's interesting for the listeners and for me too, is that like we talk about all these sports jobs and we think about jobs in sports, but we often don't know when you double click into it, what that actually means. And so 
what is the director of operations at an arena an arena football team and what did, what did they do what were you responsible for so the director of operations i know for many positions operations typically it, it sometimes translates into logistics or mm-hmm. or you know what i mean a, a mm-hmm. staging that kind of thing but for this particular role it was more focused on game operations so you might hear the terminology game operations you might hear production you might hear game presentation a lot of things within those roles are, inter- are interchangeable. Uh, but for, for director of operations with uh, the Chicago Rush, I was primarily responsible for all things game ops. Um, and we typically shorten our titles because if I actually put everything on the end of that title that I did, <laughs> it would go on forever. I was also uh, overseeing merchandising. So I was actually designing retail merchandise, working with retailers, inventorying, ordering, sourcing, the, those types of things. Um, in charge of our dance team, any type of entertainment, our mascot, um, those types of things that are involved with fan engagement activities, working with the stadium, who the people who are in charge of actual building and stadium operations, um, working with them to make sure that all of our needs uh, were executed operationally. Um, and then, of course, with the team, which is uh, one of the more important pieces, coordinating timelines, coordinating rules, making sure we're following the rules. There were some really cool projects production-wise that we got to do, creating open videos and sh- doing different shoots. And uh, interestingly enough, a lot of those things translate into the other roles I, I um, ended up doing down the line, including the one I'm in now with Bears. Yeah, it seems that you get to wear a lot of hats in yeah. that role. And I, I think that you know I come from a, a tech background and, and a startup tech background. And it's funny because you you get to wear a lot of hats in that situation too. And mm-hmm. don't often have you know those types of things on, but I think it obviously prepares you for down the line from a career yeah. perspective because you got to do so many different things. Mm-hmm. And I think with arena football, that's probably another difference is it the the staff size isn't as big as potentially a professional team or even in college athletics. There's many different people to perform those different roles, whereas it's more condensed, which allows us to get more experience and uh, be more creative and nuanced in what we're doing. Yeah. And you mentioned college athletics, you, you know, as we talked about, you had a really interesting path. You worked in college athletics too, right? At, at the university of Minnesota, how sort of, what was that progression from the rush to, to that and why the change and, and sort of what were the differences there? I'm very, very happy that I ended up in the role I did at the university of Minnesota, one for the people, great people, but two, because college athletics and just um, the role I was in offered a different path for me than I probably would have taken if you laid it out on paper. Um, So when I was at the Chicago Rush in 2008, that's when the original Arena Football League folded. So I was in a position where I was going to be moving on. And this role actually was referred to me um, by a contact who I had a relationship with that said, you need to look into this. This could be something you could do, you know, following your time with the rush. So I ended up reviewing it. It was, you know, in their development office, uh, primarily, which was the, called the Golden Gopher Fund. And, you know, stewardship with donors, those types of events were the primary responsibilities, but also they were opening this brand new stadium, TCF Bank Stadium at the time, brand new stadium at the time. Um, they were opening that and there were gonna be all these beautiful event spaces. Um, so in addition to the other facilities that they had, these small like club rooms where they had meetings or receptions and things, this brand new space offered a potential new revenue generating um, 
opportunity for them to utilize the spaces for external events, even internal um, uh, campus-wide, people could use it. So they needed somebody to run that and get that off the ground. So that is where my position was created and, and I went for it. I, I said, this is, this is definitely something new, but I do have a foundation in events, you know, that's definitely a baseline for me. And although I wasn't gonna be really, cause the marketing department at the campus, um, at, at least the University of Minnesota handled the more of the game presentation, that kind of thing. Um, so I was kind of stepping outside of that, but I was willing to go down that path to get some different experience, be around different people, um, maybe uh, hone in on some different skill sets uh, through this professional opportunity. And I was able to do that. And that was a great, a great decision that I made. And I'm, I'm glad I made it. You're right. You do seem to, to get yourself to cold weather cities. Pretty I well, do. Cause... I'm like Minnesota, <laughs> Chicago, Iowa. Really? So... <laughs> Minneapolis is a really great town, but man, it, 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 it can be, it can be it a little cold. It's a little cold. frigid, a little frigid, but yeah. <laughs> and, and so does, so does Chicago actually, as, mm -hmm. as I just stepped out before we started recording and it was snowing really hard here on March 15th in, in Chicago. Yeah. Um, right. You know, from, from arena football to college athletics in, you, know, you obviously had a background in college athletics playing it, right? Yeah. And mm -hmm me being a lay person that didn't play at that level doesn't have that same level of exposure mm -hmm. but what's different when you go from that professional setting right from a, a the arena football back to to college what are the big differences in in those two types of settings number one you're able to focus on a sport when you're a professional um sport so you're either with arena football you're with the nfl you're with the nba you're with you know the nhl whatever it is um in college athletics, you are a part of every sport that has, for me in this particular role, that had a premium seating program attached to it. Cause that's where I worked with donors and continue to um, you know, work with the development office to steward those accounts. But that's the biggest difference. I was at men's hockey events one night. I was at a football game the next day. I was at a men's basketball or volleyball game or a women's basketball game. So it was cool to be able to kind of bounce around those sports and really feel the essence of, of what those fans were looking for um, and what those donors were looking for at the time and being able to create those experiences um, and, and quite frankly, uh, cultivate those relationships with donors. So sometimes you, there would be big fundraising events and other times it would be just meeting up with them in the club room um, at a hockey game. So definitely interesting to be around other sports and be able to kind of uh, experience it that way. Yeah, it is. It, it is interesting in the fact that, you know, that obviously with the arena football piece to focus on now with the bears, the focus on football and that wider breadth in college is cool. And I think one thing that you mentioned that a lot of us don't see mm -hmm. is that you talked about the event spaces and things that are done in those venues, right? Mm -hmm. I see TCF bank stadium. You know, I went to, to undergrad at Purdue and graduate school at Northwestern. And, and I see TCF bank stadium as a, as a big 10 football stadium, right? Yeah. But as you mentioned, so many other things are done in those spaces and the events that are around it. And can you talk more about one, the events that are done and how much it really is? You know, if you talk about Saturdays, there's really only what six Saturdays in the fall that football's played there. Beyond that, it's a space for lots of other things. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, from the smallest meeting, like let's just say our one of our booster clubs wants to have a meeting, they can book a space. It became a large asset for, and I think that was part of the building process and, and getting that um, on campus was to make it an asset for everyone on campus, any department. It could be um, 
the president's office could want to have an event or a meeting or you know host a group at the stadium in one of these spaces it could be uh, any department on campus could utilize the space so that was one um it could go as big as having a concert we had probably one of the coolest experiences i had i've had there was um the u2 concert when u2 came to town they chose tcf bank stadium and we hosted them for their concert and it was a massive event um just watching the whole process of that but being able to create these venues is you i mean you're seeing it pop up in so many different college towns and venues now but that became uh bigger than just a space in the stadium but during those events maybe there's a hospitality uh event for a different uh, a partner or a um or a donor uh there's the premium seating program which ultimately I ended up running uh, uh, the sales and service side of. So um, my responsibilities grew as this role went on. And so there's so many different ways. I mean, we had weddings, we had mitzvahs, we had, um, I laugh because there's lots of funny, fun stories behind those. But um, I mean, people would look at this club space and say, even if they're there, let's just say they're there in the club at a game, they started to think, I wonder if I can host my reception here. And so it, it became, um, definitely a commodity on campus. Yeah, it is one of those interesting things where you, you parlay into other parts of it, right? Mm -hmm. and because we see mm -hmm. sports so much as the the sports part of it, but that's, you know, an interesting aspect of the job that, that is involved there. You mentioned the premium seating part yeah. and just sort of jog something for me. Mm -hmm. Is that an experience that is commonplace in college football? TCF Bank being such a new stadium and just being built, right? Obviously yeah. having that focus on that. You see it in the NFL and there's a huge, and we can talk about that with the Bears too, but huge amount of revenue driven and, and you know, on those premium seating arrangements. But is that as prevalent in college football? I Especially with the new stadiums, I believe it's built into it, especially from a donor perspective. So yeah. um, the suites, for instance, was a combination of our uh, our sports properties office selling to co corporate partners as well as us stewarding donors and that's part of their packages that they um you know part of their donation goes towards this purchase of a suite so those accounts also have to be serviced and so it just kind of became a combination thing where we're stewarding donors for you know their regular donations but also this big sports opportunity to be at a football game. I mean, it still was happening at uh, hockey games as well. Um, there's several of the sports that do have those premium seating programs. And I, I do believe it's commonplace for sure in athletics. Yeah, it, it certainly seems as, you know, we're seeing a lot more new stadiums being built from a college perspective. Obviously, it, it's a commonplace in the NFL, but it is interesting to see how, you know, it trickles down into that because there is such a, an opportunity for those events and to use those spaces in really interesting ways. Yeah. So, you know, before you and I started recording, you were talking about how you just did an interview around mm -hmm. the path that took you to the job that you're in today and the interesting path that, you know, and recounting how that, how you mm -hmm. got there. Yeah. Do you mind sharing that of how you got from, you know, the University of Minnesota back here to another wonderful warm city in Chicago with the Bears? Yeah, yeah. Um, the, there's so many interesting stories along my path, just um, recounting back when I was in Iowa, just taking it a step back when I was in Iowa, I actually met someone that was, the WNBA was starting and they were coming through Des Moines, they were on tour, bringing their all-stars around, promoting the league, and I accidentally picked up a phone call from someone that was working that 
tour and was looking for ideas for entertainment. And I ended up answering the phone and I selfishly, but worked out very well, um, suggested a family owned and operated drum and drill corps. I was like, they're amazing. We do parades, um, fast forward. We ended up doing inaugurations and just, you know, do traveling and, and performing and just a very popular group. And they're amazing. And she ended up booking them for the halftime. But along with that, she asked me to come help and work the event. And that was like the first time, first of all, seeing a woman in that role was um, pivotal to me, but also just experiencing what impact that job or those responsibilities had on the experience of the kids and the families and the athletes and everyone who were there. It just blew my mind. And it was definitely something I was interested in. So even learning and just falling into that world was was an interesting time for me. And as I recount, like even my experience, um, whether it's in interviews or just thinking on my own, um, it, it the lineup of how those things can happen is so different for everybody. Um, and then, you know, when I'm at the University of Minnesota, I was at about year four. I was at University of Minnesota and my team had grown. We had, you know, really gotten into a groove with stadium and booking events and these premium seating programs and the stewardship events and those types of things. And I just happened to check my email. Um, and it was a Hotmail account that I didn't use. I never check it. I never, ch especially don't check the junk mail. Who does, right? And something was like, check your Hotmail junk mail. And I did. I went through every single page and I found an email from a colleague that I worked with, with the Rush. And he was telling me about this position I'm in now was open for the Bears. And I'm like, yeah, no way. <laughs> and this director of events and entertainment, really. So, um, and I went for it and I was grateful for that. And just those types of interactions and building those relationships um, and learning that positions like this do exist. Um, it was it was really important part of my journey. It is interesting that you bring up the fact that those small connections, you never know when they, yeah. they come back around in any time in life. You know, I, I have been in the same job for, this is my 15th year. It's the only job I've, besides as a young person, you know, bailing hay and detasseling corn, but only yeah. adult job I've ever had. And in the interview, the person that interviewed me, his parents were from the same tiny town in the middle of Indiana that, that I was from, thousand people, right? And so we kept this connection and it came back around the position opened and yeah. that's how that came about. So you're right. It is yeah. it is about the, the, the people that you meet. And sports, it seems, it's a very cyclical, right? That, that, that a lot of the jobs are, you know, it's a small industry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And it can be competitive, right? I mean, there's multiple industries that can be competitive, but when we're speaking of sports, it's competitive on the field, it's competitive off the field. Um, so we're always looking for that next opportunity. We're always looking for ways to grow or we should be looking for ways to grow. Um, and you know, the industry in general is ever changing. I feel like there's always something new to learn. There's something new to take advantage of. There's something new to introduce to your fans or whatever the case is. Um, so it definitely keeps me on my toes. And I think anyone in sports can say that there's never a dull moment. <laughs> It, it seems that way, right? And yeah. and as it, as you rolled from from the University of Minnesota to the, the position you're in now at the Bears, mm -hmm. the director of events and entertainment. You know, at its most macro level, that mm -hmm. makes sense. Events and entertainment. Yeah. But 
under the surface, what does that really mean, right? We see the right. events every Sunday, mm-hmm. but uh, as you mentioned with the University of Minnesota, tons of events that the average sports fan doesn't necessarily know about. Is that the same at the Bears and sort of what is involved in that that day-to-day? Yeah, this is another title that could probably add several more <laughs> descriptors to it, but it is how I explain it is all of the, my position oversees all of the major fan events throughout the year, the biggest being game days. So that's our a major fan event, of course. And then all of the live entertainment, game presentation and production elements. So that live entertainment can be involved in the non-game day events. It could also be involved on game day. And so the creative direction and see, overseeing all of those aspects um, throughout the year um, with me and my awesome team that I'm fortunate to have, a very talented group, works really hard to execute and and create and coordinate all these these uh, aspects for the fans. Um, for major fan events, if anyone has ever attended our draft party early in the year, um, if anyone has ever attended our 5K events, if anyone has ever been to Family Fest or training camp formerly in Bourbon A, um, or any of our block parties, any of those types of events during the year, those are all strategically placed as our tentpole events um, to continue engaging with fans throughout the year definitely different targets, very strategic as who we target and the types of events and experiences they're telling us they might want. Um, and so we continue to evaluate those and continue to try to improve upon those with the changing landscapes. Um, game days, definitely my favorite events to produce every year. One of my favorite questions though is, well, what do you guys do in the off season? <laughs> this is where all the magic happens. <laughs> you know, this is where you're planning, you're budgeting, you're sourcing, you're um, site checking, you're um, discussing, you're reviewing analytics and surveys and feedback and making decisions, not just for this year, but years to come. Um, you're looking ahead. You're also looking in the present moment and deciding what's good for now. Obviously, the pandemic has really um, put a put a little bit of curveball into that for all of us, um, but we're certainly working through it and making sure that we can safely have fans return at some point. And we can also safely interact with fans when it becomes time to do so. Um, so all of those go into planning, but that's what we do during the off season. And these other fan events also happen during the off season. So there's plenty to, to continue to execute. And then of course, on the football side, they're certainly um, engaged prepping for free agency. Um, and then the cool thing for my team is that we do get to work with every department in the organization. So, it's really, really a cool thing to be able to coordinate and create relationships with the football side, being able to work with all of the business side departments um, to make these things happen. Yeah, you, you mentioned sort of the state of affairs that we're, we're currently, and we can talk about that shortly because I think it's going to be really interesting to see how we parlay that back into mm-hmm. being in a stadium. And I think sports is one of those things that, you know, it's, it's been about a year and I remember sports really being for a lot of people the, the sort of the the shift into where we are today. Meaning that when sports shut down, it was it yeah. was a real jolt, right? Yeah. And even for the casual sports fan, we got into it a month or so. And we're like, wait a minute, sports aren't around. You know, my wife is not a big sports fan. She's yeah. like, this is kind of strange that sports aren't around. And what that said to me was, you know, I, obviously being a huge sports fan, I miss them, but like you saw how much it was really weaved into the fabric of day-to-day life, right? And and it's it will be exciting to get those things back in the in the safe and, and way that you mentioned. So one thing you one one other thing you mentioned though is that 
the game day pieces are, are the most exciting events. Mm-hmm. One thing, another, you know, for a lot of our listeners, sports is a job in sports that is not the traditional nine to five. You're sitting at a desk Monday through Friday. And it, I mean, you mentioned, you've mentioned it at every job you've talked about, and especially today, but you're sort of, when other people are being entertained, that is where you shine, right? And those are times that you're really working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So on a Air's game day, for instance, um, that's when we're putting all the hard work, all the planning and all of the coordinating um, and we get to execute. This is showtime. So we are, you know, whether it's arriving early at the stadium and my um, operations team, there's, they're making sure everyone is available and ready to set up and make sure all the vendors are arriving and following all those protocols and, you know, um, getting set up and preparing for fans to arrive. Um, it could be actual execution. So once those doors open and once those uh, fans start to arrive that we're prepared and everything's in place. So there's plenty of rehearsals, there's plenty of setup, execution, uh, going on meetings, pregame meetings to work with other building uh, personnel and other essential personnel that assist us with making sure that happens. Um, So the stadium is bustling. There are the players on the field warming up. There's people behind the the scenes rehearsing and um, audio checks, sound checks, those types of things. So there's a lot to coordinate and there's a lot going on, but as soon as kickoff happens, now we're in the moment. Now we're we're uh, feeding off of the fans' energy, both us and the team, um, feeding off the fans' energy, making sure that that experience uh, is one that people will remember and hopefully in a good way. So hopefully we <laughs> went on the field and uh, did a good job off the field as well to, to make sure that those people there um, that chose to spend their time with us uh, are happy about that choice. Yeah, and it's such a unique experience, right? I think that that all of us that love sports, you know, that is one of the things that that makes sports so unique is that live experience and being there in person. You know, we, we mentioned sort of the state of affairs we're in today, but not only that, but sports fans and sports fandom has kind of evolved, and it's you know younger people get older and have the ability to, to attend games and so on, and they they sort of see things differently. How do you see that evolving? Not only for the upcoming season, but you know, in in the short, medium, long term of do the events look different to the way you address the fans and how those things are they different in the short medium long term because of all those factors yeah well i i think the word of the year is pivot (laughs) um the word of the year has been pivot and we did a lot of pivoting much like most every industry um had to pivot in the last year positively i would say there are some great things that came out of um having to make those adjustments, um, being without personal interactions, um, being without, um, you know, anything outside of sitting in front of your computer, right? I think everyone's excited about getting away from their computer for a little bit in a safe manner um, when it comes time. So for us, we learned some things trying to uh, salvage some parts of events, some parts of fan interactions, whether it was with our corporate partners or whether it was with our um, internal groups that had to communicate and make sure we're together. Uh, we built different platforms to make sure we could continue some of those things. We've had backup plan upon backup plan, but some of those things will live on. And, and I'll give one, one small example of something that'll live on is we didn't have fans this past year at, at the games. Unfortunately, we missed our fans. Um, for sure. But what we had to do was still create an experience because there were there was a team that we were still 
working with that was playing a football game. And there were still people in the building that needed information that we would normally be providing. So we still tried to, in the best way possible, create an atmosphere for the players to feel as normal as possible. Whether it was with the music, our PA announcer, uh, with uh, the statistics being on the board like normal, still kind of encouraging, um, you know, uh, excitement on a third down without saying get loud fans, you know, um, those types of things we, we still try to do. We also have some features that we run in, in, in game um, or commonly called promotions that we run in game that involved our players. And typically we would have a big production shoot prior to the season that, you know, we would be there with the players, we would guide them in the different things we needed them to do in order to create these awesome videos and moments and graphics that we would run throughout the season. That couldn't happen last year. So we ended up doing a lot of Zoom calls with our players and it actually worked out really well. It was more convenient for them because they didn't have to physically be somewhere. Um, they could kind of join us whenever they could. Uh, it translated well technically onto the video board. Uh, we could still kind of work with a partner to get them involved and it, it seemed to work out. So even as we move forward and we're still kind of in the, the balance of some in-person and hopefully um, being able to do a shoot like this, but still in a more condensed manner, we still will take advantage of some of these virtual aspects. Um, so those, that's one little thing, but still we are, we, once we get our fans back, we're going to listen to them and, and learn what they're interested in and what they feel safe doing and what they're most excited about coming back to do and make sure we're implementing those things as well. But I, I see it changing for good. It could be anything as small as like masks might be required for the foreseeable future, right? Um, and making sure that we work around those types of things. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think that obviously, you know, the last you're not having fans it's it's a really tough situation for not only the team and, and the folks in your space but for the fans too right mm -hmm. but i think that it, it presents kind of an, an exciting time in sports now as we transition back to hopefully something that is safer and more in person mm -hmm. I'm, I'm fascinated to see like you said what sticks around and sort of if there is going to be some level of hybrid model based on one comfortability but two some of these things that that yourself you know people like yourself in those positions come up with some really cool stuff and some really cool ways to engage fans when we couldn't physically be there. So it'll be really cool to see how they come together. Yeah, one one big thing that we have to rely on our social media team, our content team in general for quite a bit. That was the only real way in the during the pandemic, especially um, as we were learning what was going on and how the best way to be safe and you know the whole transitioning into work from home, we relied on our social media team specifically to speak to our fans and to hear from our fans and to provide some of this content to our fans. Um, and they did an amazing job. I know they worked so hard to do so, but some of that uh, was very helpful and I'm sure a learning process um, to see what people were missing. I mean, we couldn't do it in person. So the only way to really engage with them was through uh, social media. And I know that that, I know there's a lot of learnings that much of that will probably move forward as well. Yeah, and again, it'll be it'll be really cool to see how, well, one, it'll be really cool to be able to be in a safe space to be back in person because I know that there's a lot of sports fans that are, are yeah. ready for that, but it'll be really, really cool to see how those things come together. You know, Tanisha, you mentioned several times and a lot of our listeners are, are folks that are in the sports industry today or, or looking to get into the sports industry. Mm -hmm. And we've mentioned a lot of times those connection pieces, but it, for those listeners, 
as they look to evolve their career in the sports industry or to get into it. Is there any advice that you have around navigating getting into it? And once you're there, sort of continuing to evolve in the sports industry? Yeah. Um, the biggest thing for me is be willing to take a different path. I just, I say that a lot just because every time I've heard someone's story um, or the nuances of their story and how they met someone and ended up here, it's always different than what you think it might be. And I know um, there's a lot of passionate students, a lot of people who are hungry to get in the sports industry. I just want people to open their minds um, because you tend to think of sports team, right? That's how I want to get in. I want to work for a sports team. It may not always be a sports team that is the first step on your stop uh, in your career, professional sports career. Um, it might be an agency. It might be um, a hosp so the hospitality industry or uh, a brand that works with a sports team as a partner of a sports team. There's multiple ways to get involved and skills can be transferred. So it, you don't have to have, I worked for seven professional sports teams before you get that one job that you've been looking for. You know, the hiring managers do look for different skill sets that can translate from different industries. That's one. Um, get involved with professional sports organizations. There's so many, um, I, I could rattle a lot off, but that's a great way to um, network. It's a great way to learn about different uh, positions, different opportunities. Sometimes if if you um, are, whether you're at a meeting or at an event that they're doing, they provide so many resources because they have people like me, I'm a part of a couple. Um, and I sometimes either serve on their panels or you know they'll work with our organization to have job descriptions sent to them, um, those types of things. I think it's important to just kind of build a base um, and, and network and keep those relationships. That's another thing is every, you can meet someone and have a good connection, but maintaining relationships is, is really key. Every, every stop I've been on has been because of a relationship that I've had. Um, so those are some key things. I know there's, there's some more additional advice, but one other thing I would say is who we surround ourselves with. I think sometimes we get so comfortable with a certain group of people and you forget that making sure that those people inspire you to grow and to learn uh, will serve you well, both personally and professionally, because you're going to be inspired by something you learn from them. Maybe they'll, they'll be the person that sparks your interest in something. So just making sure you take inventory on those things on occasion is, is another key. That's really good advice. I have a friend that often says, you are the sum of, of the five people you spend the most time with. And I, I think that's that's really true. And I think it's excellent advice for, for everybody around yeah. keeping those connections. I mean, you and I are both examples of sort of ending up where we are today because of small connections that we had previously. Even listening to a podcast like yours. I mean, just listen and hear these stories and you have no idea, but it means you have to be intentional. It means you have to take the time. I mean, I'm, I know students have a lot of work to do. They have a lot of material to read and media to, to look at and, and things to um, work on, but take a few moments and listen to this podcast. Listen to the stories of the people that you guys bring on. Something will spark you and maybe you'll learn something you didn't know before. 
That's a really good point. The intentionality of it is really important. And you're right. Everybody has a very different path. And and hopefully through, you know, your story is a really interesting one of, of the evolution of that. And and that's going to resonate with somebody. Somebody's going to have the same steps in that path. And it's really great to see how you can get from, you know, a college basketball player from the Midwest that went to the Pacific Northwest back here to in the city that she really wanted to be in working with the team that she really wanted to be with. So yeah. Yeah. Tanisha, we really appreciate the time today and thank you very much for all your insights. Excitingly, you know, sort of one last thing from my perspective, you know, many listeners know that I'm, I'm a, a, a teacher in, in the sports administration program and we're really excited that Tanisha is going to be teaching with starting in the fall, in the fall, correct? Uh, summer, this summer, 10 weeks. Summer, uh, even, early, even earlier than expected. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 10 week course over the summer. I'm developing it right now. Very excited um, and just honored that you guys uh, thought of me and invited me to take this opportunity. And um, it's been a fun process and I'm still learning and look forward to sharing some of my uh, knowledge with the students. Well, we're, we're extremely excited to have you, not only from, from just the material that, that's going to be in the class, but that wealth of knowledge that you have because of all of, of the, you know, the industry background and the connections that you have made. So we are very excited to have that. But again, Tanisha, thank you so much for your time. And we really, really appreciate it. Hopefully we can get back in, in person to see in games in the fall. Hopefully some of us will see you on Sunday afternoons. I hope so. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure.